Yeah, I was driving with Claire the other day and she kept looking out the window saying, look, mommy, it's a Benya. And I had no idea what she was talking about. And so finally I said, what is a Benya? And without missing a beat, she said, ah, it's a Benya. <laughs> it's a peacekeeper. papa. <laughs> You're listening to Lead Him to Life, where it's our prerogative to explore what it means to be authentically human and fully alive. We have far more questions than answers, but believe that extraordinary answers can be found in the ordinariness of a journey. I'm your host, Emily Lido. Hello and welcome to Lead Em to Life. This is Emily and I am very, very excited to be sitting down with Father John Rutten today. Father John, welcome to Lead Em to Life. It's good to be here with you, Emily. Okay, I know you fairly well. I feel like I've gotten to know you a little bit more in the last couple of years, um, but tell us in a very quick blurb a little bit about yourself. Who are you? Give us well, all the, the highlights. in a nutshell, I am. you and I actually have a relationship that explains me a lot. Oh, this uh, ought to be interesting. I ha- um, in my early 40s, I'm a Catholic priest, um, but I can jump in, dive in headfirst, uh, and go about 20 feet deep in a pretty short period of time. <laughs> I think that's why I like you. So I don't really I know you, I Emily, if it's honest. You. you know, uh, we don't really spend a lot of time together. We don't know it. You know, we've never really read a book together. We've never right. been on a project together. But usually when we're together within about five minutes, we're talking about something that's drastically uh, different than what most people would talk about and important to life. This is totally about, why I yeah, like you. That yeah. explains it perfectly. That's who I yes. am. So. Okay, that's but who I am. <laughs> in a real way, what the question that you're asking me, uh, pastor at St. John Paul II Parish in Harrisburg, South Dakota, okay. little kind of Sioux Falls, South Dakota's first bedroom community. So starting a parish down there, been there two and a half years from ground up. And it's sort of the fruit of my life, I guess. I can see in this work uh, what God has done with me. And sort of all of my past is like put into play right now uh, doing this. So it's been kind of beautiful. I'm only seven years a priest. So I'm 42 years old. I'm seven years a priest. Before that, I was in business school and did marketing, sales, management, different things uh, in that realm. So uh, all of that stuff, my father was a carpenter and my mother was a nurse. So caring for people and this attentiveness to buildings and structures and my dad was a very, very good carpenter. And so I have a natural, like when I walk into a building, how is it structured? How does it flow? Who did the work? Did, you know, it's the... Do you build things? Um, I build nothing. No, I've sort of, uh, even in business, the marketing that I did, I was never the person that designed or laid something out. I was always the person that told you when it was done. <laughs> I'm like, yep, yeah. it's done. Or I'd yeah. be like, nope, that the font isn't person. the right connection with this, mm, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was kind of the person that people didn't like because <laughs> I couldn't tell them how to get to where I wanted to go, but I knew where I knew when we were there. Uh, Do you know what your temperament is? Do you know? Um, sanguine. Are you saying, are you a sanguine phlegmatic? Uh, boy, it's been a little while. Okay. We'll yeah, come back so, to that for another great. episode. Sometime. Yeah. So that's me. But, uh, in that journey, I sort of, uh, Aquinas, speaks of the four things that people worship if they don't worship God, uh, power, honor, wealth, uh, pleasure. And those are sort of what I over time began to worship, particularly um, pleasure and uh, found myself enjoying the bottle a little too much mm. um, over my my time. Mm-hmm. And so at 26 years old, I ended up in a treatment center and at 
sort of was a pivotal point in my life. Mm-hmm. When I was there, the place was open to the Christian dynamic of life and they had a Bible study and they had uh, pastors would come in and help you. And in one of the things that they did there, a prayer a meditation, uh, I encountered a living presence uh, at the time. Was that for the first I, time ever? Yeah, you know, I wouldn't say for the first time ever, but it was the moment okay. uh, that everything opened up. If you've, the, Pope Benedict was previous to Francis and he wrote a little document on love that said that the Christian Christianity is uh, the encounter with an event, a person who opens up the horizon and gives one a new path in life. It's not a set of ethics and moral doctrines. And that's it. Like, that's what happened to me. When I read hmm. that, I was like, ah, he knows what happened. Like, the, I yeah. met something. I yeah. met this person came in, a real person. This pastor came in. He wasn't Catholic. He came in. He did a guided meditation with Jesus and like something happened. And all of a sudden I don't desire to drink. And all of a sudden I want to be good. And all of a sudden I'm interested. Wow. So that sort of set off my path, led me to the seminary. And that path then has led yeah. me to Harrisburg yeah. where I'm pastor. We got a parish of about 280 families okay. and okay. life is good. Okay. I want to go back to something that you said at the very beginning about we don't really know each other all that well in the sense of having spent a ton of time together, but we kind of are, a, whenever we do see each other within five minutes, we're talking about deep, meaningful things or, or you know, whatever. And I feel like you do that so well, and in a, and in a really unique way. And I've no, and I've noticed that many times, even, you know, I, I, I were friends on Facebook and a few months ago you posted photos of an event and the photos were not of the event. The photos were of the people. And it really had this kind of profound Im- impact on me. And, and it um, was just this example, I think, of, man, this this man sees people. There was kind of, and even I could like see through your eyes in these pictures, mm. which might sound kind of silly, but I could see through your eyes. You were just like taking wonder in these people that were mm. that were at this event. I don't, like I said, I don't even know what the event was. The picture wasn't of the event. I have mm-hmm. no idea what the event was, but I saw the people. And... Where where does that come from? I feel like you just have this uh, natural wonder, awe in other persons. Hmm. How do you, where does that come from? Uh, it originated. I wouldn't have known then, or even sometime after. It originated in this uh, experience in the treatment center. Uh, after as a, as my life moved on, I would say maybe six years, maybe even yeah, maybe six years. I was out of the sem. Well. This is where it originates. When I disc- I was in Rome, long story short, I ran into this family. They invited me to have lunch with them. And I Italian was- Italian family? An Italian family. Uh, I was actually, to be honest, I was curious. I'd never seen so many young people in Rome, families in the city of Rome. Huh. And so I was like, I think- these are all like Catholic families. They're here because people are gathering with Pope Francis. And um, and so I wanted to like have proof. And they had four kids. It looked like four kids and a mom and dad. And that's very uncommon for an Italian family. Right. And I thought, and in the city of Rome, right in St. Peter's. So I stopped them and I asked them, I said, are you guys all together? Just so that I could say, yeah. Um, and that led to a conversation that they invited me to lunch. And when I got on the bus with them to go to this place for lunch, I almost told them no. And um, all of a sudden I realized I was not alone. I had been alone. And just 20 minutes before that, I was like, 
I'm alone. I wish I was here with somebody. My friends that I came with went home yesterday. Um, I am sad, you know, all these things. And suddenly I realized, number one, I'm not alone and I'm happy. Hmm. And then I looked across the bus, we were standing and they were on the kind of, I could look at them and I looked at them and for the first time in my life, I said, you, this is you. And by that, I mean, I think this is Christ. This is like God. This is the incarnation. This is what it means that he comes through flesh. Like these people, I just like ran into them. They invited me into their life. I said yes to following them, just like Jesus invited mm -hmm. people to follow them. And the sign was my loneliness was gone and my sadness was gone. And he is the one that filled this in me. And he came through them. This is you, Lord. And that then like went backward. And I understood all of these moments since this time in which I met this pastor in the treatment center. God comes through people. Hmm. He really, this is the incarnation. I'm like, hmm. oh my gosh, I, you could study. I've been studying the incarnation and I don't think I even knew what the incarnation was, right. what it really was. So okay. there you go. Real talk. What about this? All right. Here's the thing. I feel like there are people in my life that sometimes it's really hard. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's really hard to like see them and want to be around them and s let alone see the incarnation in them. Yeah. Um, and that's on me a lot of the times. You know, but as you talk about this Italian family, like I'm picturing, you know, uh, uh, what's the... Um, Oh, what's the Mrs. Beaver or whatever? Leave like it the night, yeah. The what is it? The 1950s like June class, Cleaver. June yeah. Cleaver. There we go. Yeah. Like I'm picturing the Cleavers, right? This like perfect put together family in perfectly pressed clothes with loafers on their feet and that kind of thing. And I think it's easy for us to say like, oh, I'm seeing how I I'm not alone with these with this beautiful family and that kind of thing. But what? Um, two questions really. What about those people? Uh, that are maybe a little more hard to love. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we've all got some in our very own family, let alone in our neighborhoods, our communities, whatever. Um, but then too, what inhibits us? What inhibited you at that time from already having had recognized that? You know, mm -hmm. what inhibits us from really seeing other people? Yeah. Uh, number one, this was the moment that opened it. So all of a sudden I have to explain this fact. I'm changed. Hmm. Okay. My history, my education, what I believe about baptism, what I believe by faith is suddenly, oh, this explains the facts that are in front of me. I'm happy right now. One of the ways I can explain this is with faith and say, this is you, Lord, that's come. But then when I take that, I also realize, okay, but now baptism does this for everybody. So how come this other person that's baptized or how come I who am, you know, baptized am having troubles with this other person? And over time, you, you begin to account for everything. So you say, okay, I have to account for what happens in me. This person is frustrating me. Well, what do I find out? This family, as I get to know them, they're just, they're just the same as me. And we go to lunch and it's just normal. And it's like, there's tension and they got kids and where were you and how come, you know? Uh, and I think, oh, what does it mean that they're just normal too? And this happened. Mm -hmm. So it's like a way to extrapolate it. And then I find, okay, there are these people who I have a dip, more difficult time with. Well, God is showing me something in them too. Right. But he gave me this beautiful moment so that I would stop for a second 
have a new pair of glasses and say, okay, Lord, I want to see. Yeah. And this is one of the things that I think. One of the reasons we don't intuitively or immediately see Christ or have this experience with everyone is God is saving us from thinking we're the ones who make us holy, that we just, oh, I'm going to see Jesus in everybody. Oh, Jesus. In it. No, I say, here's somebody who I'm struggling with. How come I can't? And you say, Lord, I need help. I can't like, and then when the moment happens, when he chooses to happen, you know, you didn't do it. Hmm. And so all of a sudden, somebody who maybe I struggled with, I just find an affection for, I find a desire to pray for. And I think, are you doing this in me? Hmm. I think you're helping. But if you never have the tension, if you ever have the difficulty, number one, you never really ask God. Mm-hmm. And then you don't know that it was him who changed you. Mm-hmm. You think you did it of your own will. Uh, oh, I'm really holy, so I'm going to love everyone. Well, no, I'm actually, I have a really hard time loving people, but I can point to about 20 people that I love today that I really do, and it didn't happen because of me. Mm. But we also live in a world that thinks spirituality and our relationship with God, I think, can be a vending machine. Hmm. And so we expect, well, because I had this moment in the treatment center with this one person, now I want to tap with this person and I put in my, my spiritual prayer. (laughs) Put in my quarter. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm going to love Emily more. Yep. No, it doesn't work that way. It's time. Yeah. Yeah. It's time. It's a chisel. I think I want to go back to that image that you said of, I need, I need to put on a new pair of glasses. I've been thinking a lot about that. Um, Bob Schutz is a, is a psychologist. Have you Mm -hmm. ever read any of his work? He's just outstanding. I'm a huge fan. Um, of kind of the research that he's done um, in healing. And what I remember somebody asking him one time, like, you know, can't you just move on? Like, okay, so for example, these these people that might be in our lives that are hard to love or whatever, can't you just pull up your bootstraps and kind of move on and heal and that kind of thing? And he said, well, you know, that's that's fine if you can do that. But the problem is the wounds that we have, those things that might inhibit us from seeing other people um, that or seeing reality as it is, um, we see everything through that pair of glasses. Mm-hmm. And we actually need to go back through every relationship in our lives. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, specifically, let's look at family relationships who have known us before, during, and after major experiences in our lives. We kind of have to go back and look at an interaction that we had maybe in fourth grade with our brother, and we need to look at it through a new pair of lenses. Because the lenses that we were wearing inhibited us from really seeing somebody else. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And this is the work that people who stay sober long-term typically uh, really get deep into and take account for is what are the, the things in my life that I'm afraid of and that I have these... Um, I remember I was just telling someone the other day that... Well, yeah. So you're going to get the real... Father John oh, this, is getting, this uh, is getting good. I stole a test when I was in high school, and that way I could, you know, you then get a good grade. I was going to say uh, your secret's safe with me, but you just told like the million yeah, of people everybody. that are listening stole, to leave yeah. them to life. I won't tell them what teacher, <laughs> what class, but yes. Uh, I st- so I stole this test, and I was in high school. I'm 26, 27 years old when I'm sort of trying to say, hey, I don't want to drink anymore. I want to live differently. I need, and people are saying, hey, you got to clean up your past. You got to like look at these things. And one of the things that kept surfacing is that I stole this test. I'm like, why? I mean, sure, I confess it. I like, why does this keep coming back to me? Well, 
my new pair of glasses says, the, don't worry about like the, con- it is, just recognize, it is, so you need to deal with it. So I'm looking at it's it, there. I start praying with it, I say, well, what is this? And then I say, okay, well, make an amends, make this right, go back and make this right. And so- um, So you went back and so took I the test. So I went back and I just told, yeah, <laughs> so just I kidding. went back and I took the test without, <laughs> without stealing, yeah. <laughs> Algebra. Uh, but I did, I went back to this teacher and I told them. Wow. Two things happened. Maybe for some reason forgot that was that way that God wanted the other person mm-hmm. to experience. Who knows? Maybe they're a teacher and they despair and they have a difficult time. Like, what am I doing this for? And why am I doing this? Who knows? Maybe this was a moment where they realized, oh my gosh, like people, my life matters. And here's somebody who maybe then was not really doing good things. And today they're doing better. And it gave them a compassion to be mm-hmm. with the students they're in front of. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I don't know. The only thing I can tell you is from that point forward, it stopped becoming something that surfaced in my life. And it came up the other day randomly. And I was like, oh, yeah. So it's like no longer in me. It's no longer something yeah. that surfaces around. Yeah. My uncle used to always say, who's living in your head rent free today, John? Oh, hilarious. You know, yeah. you, who lives yeah. in our heads? Yeah. We got it. There's a reason they're living in our heads. Hmm. And I think. Bob shoots and different things. It's part of this. Like there's yeah. something there. We got to go back with God. We got to mm-hmm. look at it and we got to open it up and let some light in. It doesn't mean we have to go run back to everybody right away. You do it with prudence. You do it with spiritual guidance. You do it with uh, a real attentiveness. Um, but I think, okay, this is, I did not prepare you for this question, but so you can say pass if you want. I have, uh, there's been several instances um, it kind of surrounding me in the last maybe two years in which um, someone has had an experience like the test coming back for you. You know, this this like guilt or shame surrounding, surrounding an event in their lives. And I think there's been... Um, I can think of two examples specifically where they've kind of come, come, come to me um, sharing this and questioning how do I do this? How do I, how do I actually let go of this? And in some ways it might hurt this other person if I bring it up. Does that make sense? Like Mm -hmm. it might. Um, so, okay, let's, uh, this isn't, um, one specifically, but like the example that's coming to my mind is I think there's a lot of people that have baggage in past relationships. Now they're maybe married, but there's still some sort of shame that's kind of clinging Mm -hmm. to them from a past relationship. And there's this desire. I want to, I want to heal it. I want to uh, forget about it, or I want to let it make it go away, that kind of thing. But that person from their past relationship is now in another relationship, is married, is whatever. And I think there's this tension of, okay, do I need to make amends? Is that going to wound somebody else? Mm-hmm. Or where, do, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't advise, know what the answer is. I there. advise great caution yeah, when I you agree. do these things. Uh, find a wise spiritual person to ask for help and discernment <laughs> with. Uh, because oftentimes what we can do is we can think this will go away if I just if I reveal just it, it to the loud. other person yeah. or if I say it or yeah. if I do it. And then it just causes more damage stuff. Yep. Uh, two things. A few things. Number one, get to the root of what's going on. Mm. 
go deeper. Is it familial? Than, is it a wound? Is it yeah. a memory? Is Are there it... things that have happened? Is this just one more line of the way in which something has happened to you? Because mm-hmm. And then that can help you go, oh, then what's the common denominator between all these things and go deeper than what you're currently looking yeah. at? So maybe at the root of it is fear of something and not actually the thing that I'm resentful or I'm trying to overcome. Right. Okay. Right. So go deeper. Um, number two, have you shared this with a spiritual person yep. yet? Yep. Okay. Always that's a good thing to do. Um, and number three, partly if you've already discerned whether you should make right or you should do anything about this, um, move on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and by move on, I mean this one last step, give it to God. We are not our own spiritual gurus. If you can't get over it, you can't get over it. Mm-hmm. Like, like, okay, do your best. Yeah, Keep living. Give it yeah. to God. Oh, here it is again. Yeah. God, I give this to you. Like you can take it whenever mm-hmm. you want. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we just think we have the power to do everything. Psychology yeah. is a beautiful thing. But in the end, grace yeah. is the Christian. And grace isn't something I just say, oh, take this thought away from me now. Mm-hmm. No, do your best. Have something you do. You know, get out of yourself. Yeah. Have someone you can call when these maybe are going through all this yeah. stuff or it comes back. Have, you know, where's a place yeah. you volunteer? Yeah. People have it worse. Get out of your house. Go do something. Um, and in the end, you just have to wait for the moment in which God says, okay, now I'm going to take it yeah. from you. So I'm curious about this, this, this kind of sense of moving on. You know, you had earlier mentioned um, your experience in, in a treatment center. Um I think a lot of people listening have um, many people in their lives that have struggled or are struggling with some form of addiction. I mean, a lot of forms, whether it's mm-hmm. um, pornography, <laughs> yeah. uh, drug, alcohol. Um, I mean, you food. name it. Food, yeah. food, cell phone, technology, et cetera. Yeah, like, technology. It's, yeah. a, it's a huge thing. Um, and it's, and it's been interesting to me. I've heard many people, um, in my, in my own family and, um, people that I've worked with or whatever say, um, even as a recovering addict, they still call themselves an addict Mm -hmm. oftentimes. Um, why do you know why, why, why is that? You know, and is there a sense of, is that holding on or is that actually letting go? What is that? Ah, What does that mean? That's an interesting way to look at the question. Is this holding on to something? Um, in the end, I think the conversation is unimportant. I mean, we'll mm. have this conversation, but um, whether one considers themselves an addict, whether one doesn't, you know, I'm, you know, I think it's unimportant. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is God, mm. and yeah. who am I in relationship to God? Yeah. I can th- know my identity as a son of God and know His love and be like, oh yeah, I'm an alcoholic, just like someone says, I'm a sinner. Yeah. I'm a sinner, you know, but reality. Yeah. And someone else may, when they say that, like be condemning themselves. Right. uh, You know, oh, I'm, I'm a pornography addict. And it's like the, it's the, you know, it's the real, and you might want to, and you know, and you can say, okay, stop playing that real. Hmm. So I think it's more about what's one's identity or their understanding of who they are. And then that's going to play out. You know, I'm not going to call myself an addict because I'm not that anymore. Hmm. Great. I understand. Yeah. You know, you're a daughter of God. Right. How beautiful. Right. Right. Uh, But other people are like, I'm never forgetting who I really am. (laughs) And it's only by God's grace. Well, and it's amazing to me having conversations with people, like I said, that have gone through the work of any form of like any, really any form of healing. Um, 
uh, there was one woman I was talking to that just had this revelation that uh, she had a major trauma happen when she was in seventh grade. She stopped at in seventh grade emotionally, mm-hmm. um, spiritually, etc. She kind of just protected herself as as this whatever eleven year old girl who is now thirty and trying to figure out what's wrong here, <laughs> you know. And in the work of her, kind of just describing that healing process or my friend who is a former alcoholic, you know, she's shared so many, um, you know, steps of her journey of healing. And I'm like, even for somebody that's not maybe struggling with a concrete addiction in that way, I've got my other baggage for sure. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm curious if you can share kind of in your experience as a pastor, as walking with people, what's some of those concrete steps that you've seen people take towards healing, whether that be an addiction um, whether that be in uh, like healing past trauma, that kind of thing, how like what are concrete things within that process? Like I know Alcoholics mm-hmm. Anonymous, for example, has like a, as a book that they live by, right? The mm-hmm. big book or whatever. What are some things that you think really these are these are universal principles mm-hmm. for people to live by? Anything come to mind? The th- same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Aristotle reminds us to thy own self be true. Unpack that a little bit more for somebody that's just hearing that for the first time. The lie has to mean? stop with the lie within has to end. Uh, people who want to get help, people who want to heal, have to become honest with Do you themselves. Think people are afraid to be honest with themselves. Um, you probably can't answer. That I think generally, so. But yeah, I think it? so. So I would say that this desire should then lead you. So maybe you don't like become honest with yourself right now, but that desire leads you to want a place where you can. Mm. And then you meet. So uh, when I was trying to find help, you know, I'm at church, return to the sacraments. I returned to the practice of the faith and I didn't do anything again. Like God, God gives life is gift. So we don't have to try so hard is sort of the thing that I'm growing in my awareness. Someone at mass comes over and introduces themselves to me. I knew them from the past and they said, Hey, how are you? And I'm like, Oh good. And how are you? And my whole world was shattered in the last 30 days. And this guy wants to know how I'm doing. How I'm doing. How do I answer this question? (laughs) And all I could say is, I just got out of treatment. Oh, come with me. So he takes me around. Oh, hey, this is so-and-so, and this is so-and-so, and this is so-and-so. He, like, introduced me to the people were that, my, that were, like, my best friends for the next journey of my life. You know, oh, I didn't funny. do anything yeah. except receive who's coming to right. me. And discern, in a sense, like, what is their role? And you know when someone's coming from God and when somebody's yeah. coming from the evil one yeah. uh, or for other reasons. And um, so, in a way... Uh, um, to thy own self be true. And then from there, okay, so here's some people. Now I got to discern who do I share. You know, a lot of times you just start, blah, you share sure. it. There. But I found one person hmm. and I trusted them and they trusted me. And little by little, we took a journey where I could sort of open things up. Right. Um, so it's actually in vulnerability. In vulnerability. And being more honest with, mm-hmm. which I think allows us to actually be more honest with ourselves yeah. in some way. But it's you know? someone you trust. Yep. Yeah. And that takes discernment. Time. It takes prudence, yeah. time. Yeah. But uh, to really just get honest with yourself. And then God starts showing pathways and doors start opening and mm. things start coming. Mm. And one of the things that that uh, people who are in addiction have is the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous is not for alcoholics. It's for anyone. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. got so much wisdom yeah. in it. Like uh, I remember Bishop Dudley used to say his best priests were alcoholics. 
And I think it's because they got super practical. Real life. Real life. And yeah. right in the midst of real life are like some tenets of how to live yeah. that actually lead you to faith. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One day at a time. Yeah. One day at a time is like a spiritual principle that everybody in the world is in need of right now. Right. <laughs> One day at a time. So you got the voices that don't go away and you've tried all the things. Well, just today. Today. Just today. Like, oh, just yeah. here's That's that so voice. Good. Okay. That's so um, good. I remember always being reminded, you know, uh, um, but for the grace of God. And it would remind me, I didn't make that most important moment happen. Mm. in the treatment center, maybe got to do something like that again. Right, right. Well, I want to hold on just right. to like, see, you know, right. and then he does. Um, and uh, clean up your side of the street. You know, don't worry about all the stuff. Do not worry about everybody else. Clean up your side of the street. Super helpful to my life. Um, anytime, this is my last one I'll offer. Anytime I am disturbed. This is the one I think most people Anytime with? I am disturbed. No, they don't resonate oh, with they it. Don't People like don't it. like it. They yeah. don't like it. Okay. <laughs> Anytime I am disturbed about anything, I have a part to play. Can you say it again? Anytime. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> I am disturbed about anything. Mm -hmm. I have a part to play. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So someone comes to me and I'm disturbed, okay? For pastoral, I'm a priest mm -hmm. for pastoral counsel. Oh, maybe I think my job as a priest is to have the answers to everything. So yeah. I'm afraid right now. Right. Great. Like that's important to right. count for. Right. Uh, somebody, I get in an argument with somebody. Oh, like what's my part to play? Yeah. I'm even thinking of marriages. I mean, how many times is there something when in, you know, my relationship with my husband where I'm irritated about mm -hmm. something or I'm bothered or whatever. And I think, well, if only Matt did this, this or this, or if only he would have said this, this and this. No, 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 no. Yeah. And it's, and it's really convicting, quite frankly, um, mm -hmm. to take that step back and say, okay, where, where did I drop the ball here? You yeah. know, where did I fail to speak in the way that I needed to speak? Where did I fail to, you know, and there's, and there's a reason that people say speak in I statements, not you statements. Ah, uh, yeah. I haven't you heard know? that before. Thanks yeah. for that. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's an ownership of, I feel this, mm -hmm. I am perceiving this rather than you made me feel mm -hmm. blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So mm -hmm. I think, uh, yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of and that. And in the spiritual so way, I guess this is human also, but in the spiritual way, it it brings you to a place that you can actually invite God into. Yeah. See, if I'm always attentive to everything over there, that's not that's not where God is going to work. Uh, if I'm attentive to the thing inside me, then I can say, "Okay, God, here's my fear. Hmm. Would you change my fear? Hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. Okay, God, here's this memory that doesn't go away, and it keeps causing conflict in this relationship. And would you do something about this? And then He can take me like. Suddenly in a moment, he can be like, show me a past yeah. experience. But yeah. like, oh, yeah. oh, this isn't the only time with this person. This is a part of my life. Yeah. So it brings us to a place where we can actually dialogue yeah. with God for grace. Yeah. Uh, so and those are just things, you know. if it's in the dark, you can't know? do anything with it. It's, an, it's a bringing it to the light. It's showing him. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, totally. So to, totally. Those are, there's so a good. lot of spiritual practices that people can offer. And some appear to be Christian or appear to be Catholic or faithful. But some are just plain human simple human ways to relate. Yeah. And when we live that way, 
The incarnation means that God became one of us. Yeah. So when we pay more attention to our human dynamics, yep. emotions, feelings, intellect, Christ shows up. Yeah. Amen. Because he's in there somewhere. Amen. But we're Amen. trying to like find him in all the good stuff, and oh. he usually appears in the muddiness. Yeah. Oh, so good, Father John. Well, I appreciate you just sharing your insights and, and your wisdom in that. So this is, uh, I often tell people, this is a place with more questions than answers. In my own life, it has been through people asking me questions or or me asking others a question or God asking me a question that um, I've come to a greater realization, that I've come to better understand something, etc. And so... Um, I, every guest that I have on, I want to know what's a question that you have been pondering, something you've been thinking about. It can be silly. It can be deep. It can be ordinary, profound, anything in between. What's, what's something that you've been pondering? And we'll leave it unanswered. You can't answer your own question. What is the parish's or a pastor's role in people having friendship? For someone that is maybe not a pastor, do you think that question still applies? For Emily, who's uh, trying to to create community, I mean, that applies. I, there's a question for me. So I'm curious to know if, I, I think the question for me is, what's my role as somebody that wants to build community, that somebody wants that somebody wants to connect people? What's my role in creating friendships among other people? Yeah, I think it's the same for everyone. I, yeah. I think so. Basically, I've come to a discernment of friendship as being an essential dynamic of Christian life. Yeah. And w- what is the role? How does that transpire? How do we help foster that, develop that? How necessary is that? What's the relationship between a parish and a pastor, um, a youth minister? You know, even if the whole thing comes up. Part, partly, comes up for a lot of reasons, but partly um, one of my nieces is going to restart and I saw how important it was. Which is a local was. program for um, oh, yeah. kind of an opportunity for people to gather yeah. and pray together Faith and that kind gathering of thing. Yep. and yep. kind of, okay. uh, and I saw how important her friend was in this whole dynamic. And mm-hmm. it's the first time I've seen, like, I love my niece in such a way that I realize it's not because I'm a priest. It's not because she's in a religious ed program. Like really, really important is friendship in her journey with Christ Mm -hmm. and her going somewhere. So all of a sudden I'm like, oh, well, what's our role in fostering that? uh, Can we create that? You know, because I also don't believe we can force friendship. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. that's the question I'm yeah. asking. Yeah. What, what, what's Beautiful. our role Beautiful. in the dynamic of human friendship? Well, thank you so much for coming on, Father. It was such a joy to have a conversation with you. I can tell, I, and our listeners, I sure, I'm sure, are recognizing there's just a lot of um, kind of depth to your thought and pondering, and, and <laughs> maybe too um, much. No, I think it's great. I think <laughs> Come it's up great. for a breath. <laughs> it's great. I think it's awesome. So, um, yeah, thank you so much. Um, and until next time, may God bless you, and we'll be back.